Verse number seven. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be. The Lord shall be. Oh, come on, somebody. Declare it with me. The Lord shall be a light, hallelujah, unto me. Let's receive it tonight in the name of the Lord. God, we praise you and we thank you. We worship your holy name. Lord, we pray that through the delivery of the word tonight that there'll be a lifting of every spirit, of every individual in this place. Lord, those that have come into this house to search you, seek you, find you, serve you. Lord, we pray for an emboldening empowerment of the Holy Ghost to come upon this place tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. We are delighted to have with us a powerful preacher of the gospel. One of our very dear friends. And he is going to come to minister the word of the Lord this evening on this New Year's Eve service, 2016. How many believed in the 1990s you'd even see 2016? Let alone 2017. And you probably thought you'd fly to church if you did. Amen. But, but this is not the case. We're going into 2017. We don't know what this year holds, but we know who holds this year. We know we're going to have revival. We know there are going to be people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We know there are going to be people to repent of their sins and be baptized in the precious name of Jesus. We know that. We know there's going to be victory. Victory is mine. Look at your neighbor say, victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. We need just a little bit more monitor for our speaker tonight. We want Brother Luami Diaz to come. We're so grateful to have him with us all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. He has with him two very special young men, Caleb and Micah. We're honored that they are able to be here with their father. This is a wonderful family, a wonderful man of God. We love Brother Diaz, and we're excited to hear the word of the Lord on this night. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise as Brother Diaz comes. Come on and praise the Lord all over this building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. It is so good to be back in Cincinnati, Ohio, and to worship the Lord with all of you. It is always a blessing to be with the Urshan family and uh, with uh, uh, great men and great women that have come to meet and to know and to love and we appreciate you so very much. It's good to be with my two boys. They hardly ever get to travel with me, so it's always a blessing when they are um, around and eating food on someone else's bill. It is, it is a blessing. Amen. I am, uh, I, I am a little shocked. It's 2017, y'all. I mean, time is going by quickly. Quickly, uh, the other day I I was asking my son Micah if he had heard um, a certain song I believe it was and uh, and he said to me, Dad, come on, that's from the 1900s. That's from the 1900s. He said, You're from the 1900s, and it hit me. I am from the 1900s. The thought of that is is crazy. Um, I'm delighted here. I want to go right into the word of the Lord uh, in the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 22. I'm going to read, read verse 22 through verse 25. Book of Romans chapter 1 verse 22 through verse Bible reads us so in the name of Jesus Christ. 
professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible men and to birds and to four-footed four -footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature. Everybody say creature. Creature more than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. I just simply want to um, speak here tonight on this subject. Lord, deliver me from creature worship. Lord, deliver me from creature worship. Would you just help me to uh, go before the Lord and ask him that he would help us here. Father, I pray that you would give me a word to deliver to these, your saints, that they may hear, but not just hear, that they may appropriate, that we may, oh God, together, that we may look into your word and see what thus saith the Lord that we may, O oh God, through your word, be changed forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you all. You may be seated along with this bed. One of the greatest problems that we are facing in today's generation is this issue of addictions. Addictions and addictive personalities have been so blended into our society that we have accepted them as commonplace and as normative behavior, not just in the world as a whole, but even among professing Christians. We hear less and less about the perils of addictions and addictive traits. Let me, let me be first to say that not everything you enjoy doing or everything you do even if you do it often is an addiction. But the way that you determine whether something in your life is an addiction or not is by determining how you would react to that something if that something was lost. It's ironic, but... Uh, loss seems to reveal a lot about a person. If you could not stand to live without something, if it was gone, then you undoubtedly are an addict to that thing. How you respond to loss is very telling. Do you respond with sorrow or do you respond with despair? Tim Keller says in his book that sorrow is a pain for which there are sources of consolation. It is losing a good thing among other good things. You lose a good thing among other good things. And so that causes sorrow. However, you know, well, say you lose a job, you lose a business, uh, well, you can still find comfort in family and loved ones and, and, and other healthy coping mechanisms. But despair, when you have despair, it is inconsolable because it comes not from losing something that is good among other good things, but rather you are losing something that is of ultimate value to you. Despair comes when you lose an incomplete joy in this world that you have built your whole entire life around. See, addictions, they, they drive you to break rules and convictions that you once honored. They, they drive you to harm people that you love and even yourself in order to get the very thing that you crave. Addictions, they cause you to disrespect people you used to hold in high esteem and to look to do away with anything and anyone that keeps you away from what you have deemed ultimate. You will go to great lengths to get what you value as supreme. 
And when you value something as supreme, the loss of that causes great despair. See, in a room where there is a bunch of people who are drinking uh, uh, alcohol, how can you tell who the alcoholics in the room are? Uh, some people will say, well, uh, give them alcohol and you'll tell who, who drinks the most. Well, that's not really very telling. Uh, the way that you can tell who the alcoholics in the room are is when you take the alcohol away. And when you take the alcohol away, then you can tell by the mood changes and uh, the way that people respond to you, who the alcoholics in the room are. Now, let me be very clear that as Christians, we cannot discount the distinctively positive results that the social sciences have had on our society. But we must also come to the realization that psychology cannot in any way, shape, or form take the place of scriptures. And one of the negative results of psychotherapy and the social sciences is that they have aided us in drifting from proper biblical terminology when defining sin. And as a consequence, our understanding of sin lacks true biblical definition. We don't look at sin with the same gravity that we used to look at sin. We don't look at sin with the same importance that it, you know, that uh, that we used to look at sin with before. There used to be a time when sin was just that. But now even in the church, fancy terminology has helped us to accept sinful behavior as acceptable behavior. There used to be a day when breaking the marriage covenant was called adultery. But now we called it an extramarital affair. That's, that's what the social sciences have done. There used to be a time when if a man engaged in romantic relationship with another man, it was homosexuality and effeminateness. But now it is just an alternative lifestyle. And there used to be a day when sex before marriage was called fornication. Now it's just cohabitation with a significant other. There used to be a day when pornography was called sexual immorality. But now it is just adult entertainment. And unfortunately, the renaming of these terms has caused us to cease from determining our moral standards by the moral lawgiver standards. But rather, we try to judge our moral standards by culture standards of morality. And since culture does not harshly reject my sinful lifestyle, then I would rather that culture become my judge over God. Because we realize that God hates the very sin we are trying to justify. Uh, you've heard it said that God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, and uh, uh, this takes a little, a little more explanation, and so, you know, I can explain it better in, in another time. But um, let me just say that that's not always the case. Can I, can, can I just say, uh, Psalms 5, 4 through 6 says, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. So, so he hates the sin, right? But watch this. Nor shall evil dwell with you. Yes, he hates the sin. But, but watch this. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. And watch, you hate all workers of iniquity. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful men. Friends, I believe that in this last hour, we must return to a godly definition of what sin is. There's... There, there's, a, there's a lot of confusion over this stuff because uh, sometimes we mistake what 
biblical love is. And so we feel as though God is over here, you know, with unlimited love for just about everybody going, listen, it doesn't matter what you do, what you say, who you are, how you walk. I love everybody. Come on. And there, there, there's a problem with that because when we are justified in the spirit, then we have peace with God. What does that mean? What it means is before you are justified in the spirit, you are not at peace with God. You are an enemy of God and an enemy of the cross. That's Bible. It tells you you are an enemy of the cross. And that's how much God hates sin. He hates sin and we must return to hate what God hates. But unfortunately, we have made excuses and justified the very thing that God hates. And in many modern circles, addictions have also been changed. The name of addictions has also been changed to uh, a disease. You know, this is what we call it now, a disease. Please don't get me wrong. I do not in any way want to discount the idea that there are some people who are born with certain proclivities to addictions and that others suffer from any number of mental health diseases that uh, cause great compulsion and addictive inclinations. I also understand that there are others who have developed an addictive personality due to their natural response to some sort of trauma in their life. And, and so I understand that some people will struggle from uh, severely with a predisposition to becoming addicts and that these predispositions were engraved in their DNA at the time of their traumatic experience or as a result of continual damage to their psyche. All of this was done to help them cope with the pain and suffering that they are experiencing and are have experienced. This is why addictions come naturally to people. They try to numb the pain. I understand that. Let me say that we must try to get these people godly and professional counsel and systematic and biblical help as soon as possible. I believe, listen, do not demonize counseling until you take your demons to a counselor. I, I do believe that. However, with all of that said, it is still my belief that if you are a born-again Christian, you should not define an addiction as a disease. But rather, we should define an addiction as a sin. A sin that has such great power over you that it makes you assume that it is unstoppable and unbeatable. And guess what the main word in that definition is? It is sin. An addiction to anything. As much as you want to put makeup, you can you can take it to Shanene's beauty parlor and get his hair did, get the, get the makeup done, get the nails done. But as much as you want to beautify it, it is still sin. Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 that he will not be mastered by anything. Another version said I will not be a slave to anything. Another version said I will not come under the control of anything. Friends, we cannot let cultural and fleshly and scientific influences keep us from defining addictions as sinful. They are still a sin. Now, what's the problem with calling an addiction a disease? There's a problem with it. And that is because most diseases are contracted at no fault to the person who is contracting them. For example, in most cases, I don't set out in the morning to contract hepatitis C. You know, I don't, I don't say, well, today I think I'm going to go ahead and get me a little dose of hepatitis C. In most cases, these are diseases that I contract and I have no say in their attachment to me. But addictions, addictions, though you may have a predisposition to them, but if you engage them, you are committing self-enslavement. You walk to the corner. You bought the drug of choice. They're not imposed on you. They are chosen by you. And in no way can I call cancer and alcoholism the very same thing. And so this is why we must strive to not call 
it an addiction, a disease. There's another reason why we can't call an addiction a disease. Because if you call an addiction an unpreventable and an unstoppable disease, especially if you are a born-again believer, then you are choosing the social sciences over your Bible, which says that whosoever is born of God does not continue to commit sin. This is what the Bible says. Now, listen, when you have this, this does not mean that you will not sin at all. We are all sinners and we are all daily sinners, but you will not continue in sin because the fruit is in direct proportion to the root and whatever is your root, this is what will, you know, out of the mouth comes evil and out of the mouth comes, this is why out of your belly shall flow living rivers of living water whatever is inside of you whatever your root is this is what you shall develop and so this is what's going on you cannot in any way call it a disease an unstoppable disease because we all sin but if you are a born again believer you will not continue in that sin something about your conscience that has been not seared but has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ tells you you are a child of God pick yourself back up you are a child of light and walk in righteousness and so either you believe the social sciences or you believe the word of God when it tells you how shall you that are dead to sin live any longer in it when you have been baptized you receive the power the power to call God your God and Lord and Savior and the social sciences that say that addictions are inevitable diseases are against what the scripture says that born again believers have power to yield their members unto God as unto righteousness and that we have power to yield our members to God as instruments of righteousness we choose psychology over the Bible because the Bible tells me that I have the power to let sin have no more dominion over me no more excuses either you are born again or you are yielding your members to unrighteousness the Bible tells me that the Holy Ghost has given you power to break every chain every chain every dominion every power every addiction that comes over you People who call their addiction a disease, usually they lack accountability. You see, the term disease is used to justify a reckless lifestyle or constant relapses. And when you have a relapse to a disease, you can blame the disease and then justify your relapse by claiming that you are a victim victim but as harsh as it may sound the Bible doesn't allow you to be a victim the Bible puts accountability on all sinners for their actions a person with a disease needs to be understood but when you have sin you need to repent a person with a disease needs a couch but a person with sin needs a cross a person with a disease needs healing but a person with sin needs deliverance and we need to bring addicted people and addicted personalities back to the cross and back to God and say we need deliverance this is more than just something on the surface but why preacher why are you harping on addiction why are you harping on addiction here tonight well because there is an underlying issue at the very foundation of all addictions see addictions are merely symptoms of a much greater problem in scripture what we call addiction has a name. It is called idolatry. 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 The worship of creature more than creator God. The worship of creature more than creator God. This is what idolatry is. And the problem has become that we have tried to fix the symptoms without addressing 
the root of the problem. We've tried to give addictions a tic-tac to cover for their bad breath. But you know a tic-tac is just dealing with the symptom. There are some greater issues. If you, listen, if you're still tasting turkey from last year's Thanksgiving, a tic-tac isn't going to help the root of the problem. You've got to fast, girl. And this is, this is what's going on in this, in this thing. We have been dealing with the symptoms. That's why I love when the Lord was uh, going by, saw the fig tree from afar. And the Bible said that he cursed the tree. And when he came back, the disciples were astonished that the tree had withered down and died. Do you realize why the tree had withered down and died? Because the Bible said that the Lord cursed the tree at the root. At the root. He cursed the tree at the root. And see, when we don't deal with addictions at the root, at the root, you may deal with the symptoms, but by this time next year, the branches will grow back. Constant relapses will come back because you're not dealing with the foundation of the issue. There are some root issues with addictions that we've got to get back to and need to deal with. I don't care how many, you know, treatment, how much treatment you want to give it and how much symptoms you want to give it, you want to deal with. If you don't deal with the root issue of addictions, you will never get rid of the problem. And I'm going to tell you right now, addiction to alcohol is not an alcohol problem. Addiction to pornography is not a pornography problem. Addiction to drugs, it is not a drug problem. It is a worship problem. It is a worship problem. Worship problem. Worshiping at the altar of creature rather than creator God is the essence of all addictions. And the root problem of an addiction is not that you love creature too much but it is that you love creator too little it is a worship problem that's why Paul says if you want to kill your addiction which in the Bible is idolatry if you want to kill your idolatry he gives you a way to do it and the way that he does is it is in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. He said, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now watch this. This is, the, it says, it starts out and it says mortify therefore. Whenever you read that word therefore, you need to ask yourself what is it there for? Because it is telling you this is a, a conjunction of sorts. And it's telling you I am uniting the last clause to the previous clause to the you know upcoming clause and this is what it's saying it's saying mortify on account of what I just said before therefore mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth what are the members that Paul talks about here he says these are the members that you need to mortify or kill this is who you need to kill fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and then watch this and covetousness which is idolatry covetousness which is idolatry what is Paul telling you he's telling you here there is a secret in how you can kill your addiction how you can kill your idolatry how you can kill your creature worship there is a secret you can mortify therefore your members and the secret is in the therefore he said I just told you how you can kill the members that are living inside of you fornication and uncleanness in order to 
affection and all of this other stuff you can kill covetousness which is a desire to have and a desire an uncontrollable desire to have and to have more of this is what it is and it says that is idolatry that is your addiction and this is how you kill it how do you kill it you kill it with what I told you previously set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth it is creature worship that is killing you it is creature worship you are worshiping at the altar of created things your love for creature is greater than your love for creator and yes there are some things that are good that should be loved but not at the expense of taking creator from the throne that is ultimate and he is saying this is what's killing you what's killing you is you don't love God like you should you don't worship God like you should you are not in love with your creator as much as you are with creature creature is killing you creature and idolatry is bringing you down it is a worship problem it is a worship problem the problem is if you uproot the tree of idolatry without planting the seed of love for Christ, then the idol is bound to grow back. My God, 2016, why am I preaching on this? Because 2016 has been a year full of idols. It has been a year that my idols have been revealed. And before you go on and say, my God, I know who this message is for. Can I tell you, we are all dealing with creature worship in this house. <laughs> Addictions are no longer about just drugs and alcohol and pornography. Can I talk to you about our technology? Can I talk to you about social media? Can I talk to you that we spend as a whole at least 17 hours a week on social media? Can I tell you that that is the average person spends 17 hours a week on social media? Can I tell you that before you, you know, when you wake up in the morning, the very first thing you want to do is check your phone? Can I tell you that the signals that your brain receives from when your iPhone goes off, according to the New York Times, the signal that is uh, uh, the way your brain is wired. When your iPhone sends a notification, it affects the very part of your brain that deals with love and passion. And when people are consumed with someone, when they're infatuated, you know, when you first fall in love with somebody, that is the, f the same exact part of the brain that is triggered when your iPhone goes off. You know what it's sending to your system? It is dopamine. It is the same exact substance that is sent out causing addictions with drug addicts and alcoholics. It's what they need. They need to have it and they crave it. And it's the same exact response that your body is having when your iPhone goes off, when social media notifications goes off. And there are people who are addicted to their likes and there are people who are addicted to, I need a response from the people and I need people to respond now and there are people who need the live you know I need to get on live and I need to put the word out and I need to hear somebody talk back to me because I need to feel like I and there are people who are addicted to this no longer can you put this message on drug addicts and alcoholics no longer can you put this message on people are full of pornography we are living in a world that is full of creature worship we are living in a world that is full. We are full of creature worship. And tonight, God brought me here to say, you've got to be delivered from creature worship in 2016. Before we go on to 2017, we need to come back to the altar of creator and say, oh God, we've messed up. We've allowed creature to have the altar of supremacy in our lives. Friends, can I tell you, idols are not jealous of each other. They would all gladly concede their position of ultimate to another idol because they all conspire against the one true God.
The problem is that we've dealt with the symptoms for way too long. When we go down to the social sciences, do you know what kind of, you know what kind of response they give you? They say, put a fence around your addictions. Take the, take the uh, iPad away. That's what's feeding your pornography. Take the technology away. But unless you deal with the root of the issue, unless you deal with the root of the issue it doesn't matter do you really think that the pornography addiction is only fed through the ipad and through your phone you're going to find other ways to get your fix you're going to do away with anything that comes in between you you're going to find another route to the who's going to stop you from going to the strip club who's going to stop you from seeing somebody else it is you're not dealing with the root it doesn't matter how many steps you want to go through in your life if you don't deal with the root issue you're never going to kill what's killing you I'm telling you the way that you deal with the root issue is you've got to fall in love with Jesus you've got to come back to him you've got to fall in love so deeply with him that the things of this earth grow strangely dim as you get closer and closer to God he gets bigger everything else does not matter nothing else matters nothing else matters nothing else matters they would all gladly concede their position as long as God is not first idols would gladly exchange positions with one another so you said, oh, I've got to get rid of fashion. Fashion has my attention. It's where I spend the most money. It's what's really getting me. And so you know what they tell you? They say, well, if you want to deal with that, get away from that. You know, get on something healthy and less expensive like food. And food is not less expensive, friend. My <laughs> God, food is so not less expensive. And... Uh, get on food, and can I tell you, if you make food your idol, fashion has to go. You're not trying to squeeze a size 52 in a skinny jeans, you know what I'm saying? So you, fashion has to go. So we make food our idols, and then we get tired of food. And guess what food does? It says, oh, you, you don't want me anymore? It's all right. I'll gladly step down as long as you bring music. Then music steps up. When you get tired of music, then music says, oh, you don't want me anymore? That's all right. I'll bring sports. And you get into sports and you're searching and searching, always striving but never arriving. And your heart is desiring and your heart wants because you were built for worship. And so you're looking for something. You're looking for an object. What do I need? What? Why can't I find it? And so music's not doing it for me. Let's go to social media and acceptance and maybe that will get me. Let's go to gaming. Maybe gaming will do it for me. Let's go to exercise. And so you go down to a size six and here you are all day and all night. And there you are. And the more you get acceptance from people the more you do it because you love it and you love it and the idols are not jealous of each other the idols they're all conspiring against the one true God but in 2017 oh God help me draw nearer to creator See, the way the heart works, we can only go for one true love at a time. That's why the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. You know why? Because the heart was made to seek one affection at a time. That's why you can't believe people that said, I love both of them. You can't believe, you know, I love my wife and I love my side chick. That's not the way it works. You can't love two people at the, at the same time. That's why they'll tell you, how do you get rid? How do you get rid of an old love? The, 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 the fastest way to get rid 
of an old love. You know, people who are sick because someone left them and dumped them, left them out to dry, and here you are, and you can't get over it, and you're depressed, and you've gained all sorts of weight, and you're eating all sorts of ice cream and watching all sorts of dumb movies, and here you are, and you can't, you just can't get over it, and three, four months down the line, and you just can't get over it, and, and you've tried everything, and you've tried to immerse yourself in stuff, and you just can't get over it. How do you get rid the fastest way to get rid of an old love you've got to find a new one you got to find a new one because in finding a new one nothing else matters your whole world has changed and this is the problem with addictions. The more we deal with the symptoms, the more we deal with this creature worship, the more we deal with it, and the more we, you know, it, it doesn't really matter until you find a true love that will do away with everything else. The only way that you can kill your old addictions, the only way that you can mortify the members of your body, the only way to do it is you've got to set your affections on things above You've got to come back to the altar of Almighty God who holds all supremacy. You've got to come back to call him Lord. You've got to come back to say, oh Lord, I will wake you up in the morning. Early in the morning will I rise, will I lift my hands to you. Oh Lord, my Lord, you are my God. You are my shield. You are my buckler. You are the rose of Sharon to me. You've got to come back to it. Oh God, oh deliver me from creature worship oh Lord, how many times I've been guilty of this, how many times I can't even get into the house of God and lift my hands right because all day I've been worried about a sports tournament somewhere and my Knicks my beloved Knicks, my God they're playing right now and even right now I was trying to escape somewhere to watch the score we've got to stay, you know we've got to stay there, you you can't get too, too, too low on the playoff thing. And here we are, and this is what's going on in your mind. And then you come to service, and you're wondering, why can't I, why can't I lift up my hands like I used to? Why can't I worship the way I'm telling you what it is? It's creature worship. Creature has gotten a hold of you, and we can't even worship like we used to. We can't stand away from our phones for just two minutes. Our kids are growing up. They don't even know what true social interaction is all about. I was in Colombia just last week, I believe it was. I was in Colombia and you know, social media and technology is everywhere now, but it is not as widespread uh, you know, uh, in, in third world in e or even second world countries. It is not as widespread as it is here. And I realized something about the kids in Colombia. These kids are all outgoing, sophisticated speech. Their vocabulary is, is, will blow you, it will blow your mind. The way they express themselves. They're not, uh, hardly any of these kids are introverted and shy. They come out, they, uh, they greet you, they tell you their name, they ask questions, they want to know, they interact socially. They are healthy kids and I compare them to the kids in the United States of America and I'm telling you, we are losing our children. They are shy, there is no social interaction between them when they're in phone calls you know you ask them questions you ask them a big old question and they answer with yeah you know, it, it, because they don't know how to express themselves. They don't know how to go on and meet other people. They don't know how to sit in, in at a table. And uh, what do we do? The way that we are teaching our children right now to sit still at a table. You know how? We, we give them the iPad. We give them the phone. We are feeding into their addiction. We are feeding into their creature worship. And so here they are. This is what they love. This is what they know. They 
they know how to express themselves better through text, but they cannot talk to you directly. Why? Because we are feeding the creature worship. They are in love with the creature worship. I beg you, Lord, in 2017, deliver me from creature worship. Deliver me from my addictions. Deliver me. I have replaced you, oh Lord. I have replaced you with creature worship. You don't, you don't, you don't awe me anymore. You don't impress me anymore. Grace has ceased to amaze me. It's creature, creature worship. I end with this. I was uh, just the other day. I was trying to get through my Bible plan on a. You, I, I think it's called U version or U verse or U version, one of those, the app. And uh, I was trying to get through my annual reading plan. And as I was reading, you know, on my phone, as I do, you know, every morning I try to read a portion of scripture on my phone. I remember reading, and uh, Krispy Kreme sent me a notification. Y'all, the devil is a liar. And I wasn't on one of these fun books. I was like in Ezekiel somewhere. And, uh, and it was, you know, I'm trying to be spiritual. But Krispy Kreme said that the donuts were hot. And so I rebuked the devil. I said, there is absolutely no way this is going to happen. And I stayed on that for a very long time. But the more I read, the more my body began to crave Krispy Kreme. Now, this may sound, uh, you know, I I am a man of God. uh, But I finished reading the word at Krispy Kreme because... But it hit me. It's creature worship. That I can't even go through the word without getting a notification and having to acquiesce to its demands creature pulls my strings. It pulls my strings. And and it's not that I don't love Jesus. I do. But God has become a good thing among other good things. He's a good thing among other good things. I'll never forget when Christianity, for me at least, I was born in this, born and raised, but in in my teenage years is really where I found my love for it. Before the flyers came out, before I flew first class, before I ever got a check for what I do, I just remember a day when and I would weep at the thought of lost souls. I remember coming home from high school, freshman year in high school, and I was still so in love with Jesus. I got the nickname uh, the pastor or the reverend, some people would call me, in high school. Public school in the Bronx in New York City. Sometimes I couldn't even take the bus home because I was so overwhelmed by the love of God that I would be embarrassed to have people see tears flow through my eyes. And so I would walk five miles to my house in the Bronx in the cold. And I remember, you know, in those days, the Sony Walkman had just come out. 
And I had one of those Sony Walkmans. I was like one of the first ones to have a Sony Walkman. And uh, my headphone broke, and you tape it back up, and you just put it on the... Oh, yeah, this is not that type of church. Y'all <clears throat> know what I'm talking about. I see some of y'all. And uh, I would tape it with that electrical tape man, I, so, so you can see the black. And, um, and I remember uh, just, just playing worship music as I went back home. And I would weep on my way home, and I would touch the buildings as I would go, and I would pray for people in those buildings. I was only 14 years old, but I had such a passion for God. I remember when I was 18 and uh, got out of high school and went straight to college. While I was in college, I, I felt such a passion. Someone had come to me about a church uh, that was that they had tried to start up in Patterson, New Jersey, but it had failed, and there was no churches there that that they could remember and, and uh, you know around uh, and 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 so they they wanted me to, to to go if I could help, and so I I I was only 19 years old, but I had such a passion. I, I wasn't really preaching out you know for anything. I but I I just loved the Lord, and uh, I would come Thursday nights. I would come straight out of college. I'd go down to the church. I'd open it up. I'd had keys to it. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I didn't go to a church, you know, church growth boot camp. I didn't know the techniques. I, I did not know how to start a church. All I knew was God was sitting on the throne of supremacy in my life. I was so in love. And so I would, I would go Thursdays. I, I would get out of school on Thursdays. I'd go home. And, uh, and eat a little something, and I'd go to the church, and I'd open that up, and I'd take out a little keyboard and a little, uh, you know, a PA system that we had there, portable PA system, and I'd take it with me in a car, and I didn't even know where I was going, and I would stand there in the front of the projects, and I'd ask the lady on the first floor if she could just lend me a little, you know, electricity. And uh, she would always, she'd always say, yes, pastor, if, you know, if you, you just bless my house. If you bless my place, you can have whatever you wanted. So I would. And so I'd, I'd, I'd hook that up. And I didn't have a permit. I didn't know if I was even legal. But I just, I, I just did whatever I had to do right in the projects, man. And I'd have my little stand and I'd pull out my little keyboard and I'd try to play. And I couldn't play and sing at the same time. But I'd play and then sing and then sing and then play and then I'd play and play preach a little and uh, no one would show up and my first saints were just crackheads I'm telling you it was the first church where the pastor had to give them an offering to be in service I, I and and uh, you know and they would come every Thursday those were my saints they were they were on meth and they were on crack but those were my saints and they'd come over and they would say hey hey preacher you give me a dollar I'm gonna stay in service and we're gonna watch your car and so I did every <laughs> every single every single Thursday night I'd give away about six seven dollars and I'd have them come to service and they'd like kind of join my little crowd and they'd why I didn't I wanted them in service and I didn't want my car stolen so I wanted all of them there and I'd have them there, and it was the weirdest stuff would happen on those Thursday nights. People heard stuff from, you know, from aliens and people, and, and we would pray, and people would get delivered, and people would throw up, and I didn't know what I was doing. I promise, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I was preaching, and then we found a little place where we could have service, and so we had service, and, and I would pay $25. There was a church, their little church there. And I told the man what I was doing, and and he, and, and he was so uh, he was so moved. He said, "You know what? Just pay for the light light bill here on Thursday night." So I said, "Okay." It was winter time, and so we couldn't have service outside anymore. So on Thursday nights, I would come early, and our little place was in a cul-de-sac. And I remember I would wait there on Thursday nights to see if anybody would show up, because I'd pass out flyers, and I'd tell my little crackhead friends, "Would you please come out tonight?" Would 
would you please come when we were at this place location? And so we would pass out flyers and I would wait there and 7 o'clock, 7.15 would come and I would look outside and I would say, please God, I'd come back into my office and I'd say, please Lord, send somebody. And I'd go back out and when I'd see the lights coming, when I'd see a light, you know, I knew that they were coming to our place because there was nothing else going on in that little, you know, street. I knew they were coming to my place so I would run back into my office for the next two minutes and I would say, oh God, give me a word for somebody. Give me a word that I may speak to somebody in this place that somebody would be saved. Give me a word. And I'd come back and I'd see people come. I was pastor. I was greeter. I was usher. I was ladies auxiliary minister. I was everything. Those were the days where creator had preeminence over creature. And tonight it is, I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to you. I'm asking myself, Lord, deliver me from creature. Creature's gotten a hold of me. Creature's gotten a hold of me. I have a passion for things. Things have my utmost interest. Things have my utmost control. I have a passion for money. and I have a passion for getting ahead in life. None of those things are wrong. Those are good things among other good things. But I've made those things ultimate. And God has been demoted. Would you lift hands all over this building right now? Just lift your hands all over this building right now. Father, in 2016, we come here by telling you that we have, this is a confession. I've messed up 2016. There are some loves I've had that far outweighed my love for you. I've zoomed through my Bible reading. My prayer life has been demoted. I'm still there. I still love you. But God, the intensity I have for things the affection I have for things. Even my worship has suffered. Relationships, music, social media, substances, food, fashion, acceptance, the mall. Things have gotten a hold of me. Technology. Sports. Even ministry. Created things above creator God. And Father, I pray here, don't give me up to my own desire. Don't you ever give up on me, Lord. Don't you ever give up. Don't you ever give up on me, oh God. Because the worst thing that could ever happen to me when I am intent on going in my own way is for you to second my opinion and leave me be to my own fleshly desires. I confess to you here tonight, I've been dried up. My brook has dried up. And I need you more than I need oxygen. I need you more than I need likes on my Instagram. I need you. I need you. I need you more than I need my phone. I need you. 
I need you more than I need a big church. I need you more than I need money. I need you more than I need cars. I, I need you more than I need relationships. I need you. Strip me, O oh God, from my intoxication with Babylon. Strip me, O oh Lord. I am, I am so enamored, O oh God. Lord, please forgive me. Because I am in love with the very things that put you on the cross. So forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive us. We come into 2017 with a new heart, new affections. You are the source of my worship. And I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Where it's all about you. It's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I made. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Father, I confess my sins publicly here tonight. Father, I pray in 2017 that when I build my sermon that I am not looking for public acclamation of self and talent, but that I may draw people nearer to you. Oh God, I need to come back to you. Father, I confess, oh God, my prayer life is not where it needs to be. My walk with you, it's not where it needs to be. You no longer have my attention like you once did. I'm not in love with you like I once was. I pray, oh God, that I may lead my children, oh God, to love for you and your name, to reverence your name. The reverence is gone. Grace no longer amazes me. Bring me back. Bring me back where I'm in love with you and your cross. That I may know nothing else save the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring me back, oh God, where my soul desires for you. Bring me back, oh God. Creature is sitting on a throne that you should be sitting on. Creature is sitting on that throne. Creature worship. Bring me back, oh God, where you bring me back, oh Lord, where your presence amazes me one more time. Bring me back, oh God. Bring me back, Lord. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Then I will teach your ways, and sinners will be converted unto thee, oh God. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Would you find a place here at this altar, at your seat, wherever it may be? This is the word that God has given me for you. This is the word that God has given me for me and my children and my family. Just find a place where you could come before the Lord and say, Creature, worship got me. 2016, it's been about creature. No longer. Jesus needs to be the center. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, Jesus, 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 come on, Jesus, 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 be the center, come back. It's always been you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus be the center of it
the center of my life. 